This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Do we have enough stuff to discuss or what? I mean, a fantastic weekend for the Giants, a sensational Sunday for the Jets. We have the Yankees on the verge of their playoff run. Hopefully it's a playoff run. It's not a playoff walk in the ALDS and the Cleveland Guardians. But come on. Where do you think we're going to start? We have to start at the end. We can't put it off. It's not going to change. We know how this story ends. And that, of course, would be the story of the New York Mets. A season that seemed primed to go down in the record books as one of the great seasons in franchise history, right? 101 regular season wins. And it was not just about making the playoffs. It was about how deep of a run in the playoffs would the Mets make. For six months, it seemed to be building towards the Mets were one of the best teams in baseball. And instead, it goes down as one of the most epic fails for a franchise who's kind of known about some epic fails, right? First place for six months, squandered and put to sleep in basically six days. From the moment the Mets hit Atlanta, they really didn't hit. And they made up for that this weekend by not pitching either. They lose the division, forced to be a wild card, and the mockery of being swept by the Braves when you just needed one win. One win against Atlanta. And this entire story might be different. But it didn't go that way. You're forced to be the wild card. You figure, all right, the mockery is out there. Everybody has been, you know, pointing at us and and saying how we blew it. But we have a chance to respond here. We're in the playoffs. This is not the end of the story. How are the Mets going to respond? And we found out they didn't respond. Game one against the Padres. Before the game, you see the the videos being sent out by the Mets or by SNY, Mad Max locked in. And then the game started, and he did his best Garrett Cole impersonation. Home run, home run. I mean, the game was over before a lot of people were even in their seats. And please stop with, well, maybe he's hurt. If he was hurt you would not have started him in game one. He flopped. It happens, even to the best of us. Max Scherzer put up a bomb. But you, Even with all the Met fans, and it was clear after game one, Met fans were, woof, they were off the bandwagon fast. I was saying, guys, you still have Jacob deGrom going in game number two. And DeGrom got you through. I mean, he wasn't lights out. He gave up two leads. The Mets' offense finally showed some pulse on a night where, let's be honest, Blake Snell was terrible. The fact that he was in that game even as long as he was was a surprise. But hey, win's a win. You even up the series. It all comes down to game three. It all comes down to last night. And how would the Mets respond? They've come back from being down in the series. 
They even things up. And now they have a decisive game three. And how would they respond? And they went down as weakly, just about, as you could. One hit. One lousy hit. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. All I heard all year was, you know what? These are not the same old Mets. Not these Mets. These Mets are different. Well, look, it's certainly one to remember because they've never quite collapsed in this fashion before. They've collapsed. They missed the playoffs here and there, right? But to go from the best team in baseball to being ousted on one hit, oof. So let's hear from Buck Showalter after the game last night. The biggest disappointment I take is for the players and the fans and, and the organization. There's so many people that, you know, give so much to it trying to get to the to the last step, and it's so difficult. But, uh, but like I said, I, 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 everyone feels that way this time of year, the 10 teams play, and that, you know, it's, it's such a roll of the dice in, in October. But, you know, we just didn't do much with the bats tonight. Yeah, didn't do much. Didn't do anything. And maybe Met fans were trying to convince themselves, right? I mean, didn't sell out last night. It was almost like they kind of knew. So to hear from Buck Showalter after that one, uh, it's, it must be tough for Met fans to deal with, to watch a season implode the way that it has here in really six days. Six games, they went from we can hang with anybody to being ousted by the Padres on their home field on a night where they got one hit. One hit. And now, all the questions. Any team has questions when you're losing the playoffs, the old John Madden line. It's not the pain of just the losing. It's the realization of all the hard work you're going to have to have to get back to that same spot. And the Mets have a lot more questions than the average team with all the free agents and everything else. So here's Buck Showalter on the season end. No, that was on the season ending. What the offseason is going to look like. That's reality. Reality will show you that it's hard. You know, you think, oh, I just do this and re-sign to do that. No, there's a lot more to it. You know, I know how good ownership we have. I know how good a leadership we have in the baseball department. And I know the core players that care a lot. But you know, it's like I just told them, now it becomes – and you got to do what's best for your families. You got to do what's best for, you know, it becomes, you know, the business part of it kind of gets in there where the players are concerned, rightfully so. So you don't know. Yeah. Look, I want to hear from the Met fans tonight. I don't know if there's any of them left. I don't know if they've all already moved on to rooting against the Yankees and they've already kind of given up on this season. But I want to hear from the Met before you go into your winter solace right solstice whatever you want to call it and you go underground until next spring until steve cohen goes out this offseason and buys you the new shiny thing i want to hear from the met fans because look your team's not going to be really focused here anytime soon so this is this is your chance this is why i opened even on a day yesterday with a sensational giant win as an unlikely a win as you'll see a jet performance, winning a division game and first time in God knows how long. That's why I had to open with the Mets, because their story is becoming old fast. 
If you've heard the shows today, everybody's talking about the Mets because we're not going to be able to talk about them for that much longer. Now, Larry is not here tonight, but it has nothing to do with the Mets. This was a scheduled day off for Larry, and I think for his own sanity, it's good that he has a day off today. It was great to see him yesterday at the tailgate, the Jet game, Uh, but he is celebrating his lovely wife's birthday. So, Jeanette, happy birthday. I can't imagine the, the happy face that Larry has had to put on today after that met. To, I mean, we've all had those dinners, right? You've all had those functions where you just get done watching your team blow a game or blow a lead or blow something, you know, ruin your, ruin your day. And now you got to pretend, no, no, I'm good. I'm, oh, no, I'm not, oh, I'm not thinking about that at all. Meanwhile, you're steaming at the clouds. So Larry is not here tonight, but I would like to, I would love to hear from Cement fans about where you think this season went wrong. Because I heard, I heard a lot of, you know, if only we did more at the trade deadline. If only we won a game in Atlanta. If only this, if only that. Because I think it, it's probably, everybody's kind of nitpicking at the little things when it's really one big thing that there's no way to get around. So coming up, we'll get, we'll get fan calls. If, you're, if you have not already gone into hibernation, not sure, maybe you have. The phones don't work in hibernation. But if you haven't gone into hibernation yet, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. And I'll tell you where the fundamental plan is kind of flawed. So we'll get into that next. Just getting started here on a Monday night. It is Gordon Damer flying solo, ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, and the all-new ESPN New York app. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, Joe Musgrove. Yes, of course. And it did stand out. I'll grant you that. You're sitting there watching the game. You're like, man, that guy guy has really shiny ears. Some guys have weird things. Like when Chapman comes into the game for the Yankees, he's sweating profusely. You know, some guys have some weird things. I don't know. I've never seen his eyes that shiny before, but sometimes when the, shy, the, 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 the stars and the, the lights shine the brightest, it reflects back in your ears. I don't know what else to say. It is Gordon Damer. It is ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. And um, I'm going to get your phone calls in here at 1-800-919-3776. Before we do that, I did want to say um, huge thanks to everyone who showed up at the 98.7 tailgate yesterday. Since uh, just a sensational job by the station, by the talent that showed up. Now, obviously, not everyone could be there, uh, but everybody that showed up, I think, had a great time. The company showed up, showed out. Sensational job they did. Uh, and I've not always had the easiest time with the company because, you know, when I fill in for Dave, that's their emperor. And, uh, they're, you know, they're not going to like the replacement emperor. So, But they were great to me. Uh, they were fantastic. All the things that they did for, uh, you know, yesterday. It's it, you know they got the name from DiPietro and Company the the Greenberg line yesterday it was reversed yesterday it was Rothenberg and DiPietro was the company he was the side act because they were set up for Dave sensational job by them and for the rest of the fans that came out I think everybody if you were a Jet fan you certainly had a good time I I, I enjoyed the pregame that was fantastic once the game started uh, just a very uh, nightmarish day which I knew it was going to be. But I showed up anyway, so but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's hear from the Met fans. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, let's see. They have not all gone into hibernation just yet. Not yet. They, they have maybe the rest of the week. 
A couple of days yet. Let's go out to what Brad is in Wayne. Brad, you're first up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, what's going on, Gordon, man? Long time, long time listener of uh, 98.7. Um, yeah, I didn't go with the hibernation yet. Um, probably unlike most Met fans, um, you, you got to come away, at least I do. I feel like we got to come away with some positives and some hope that we're trending in the right direction. You know, the first time we've notched 100 wins since 88, um, you, you got to think that the pitching staff is, is moving in the right direction. You know, the, the fielding, the hitting was spot on for years. And, and going back all these years, you know, everybody's all excited in July. And, and you know, when oh, we're in first place, and then, you know, you got to keep it kind of level. Say, you know, we've been in this situation before, and it never really pans out. So this is the first time we found ourselves uh, in that situation. And with a bunch of young guys and, and a couple of veterans, you know, you gotta you got to develop that winning culture. I think Buck has kind of brought that a little bit. Um but the farm system is doing the, the right thing. You got to take away the positives. Yeah, we, we dropped the ball in the last week of the season and, and didn't really show out for the playoffs. But you, you kind of got to look. We're trending in the right direction. Guys are going to learn from this experience. Guys are going to start putting it together. And, you know, you're not going to get that performance from Scherzer, you know, at, in that stage often. But, you know, it, it's it's the Mets and, you know, it's tough. It's tough, but as a Mets fan, you got to take, you got to come away with some positives. And, and this is the first time in, in quite so many years that, you know, we're trending in the right direction. Hopefully, we can sustain that and, and keep that that going, like like a Dodgers and things like that that are constantly in that position, or the Giants, like a couple years back. You got to just keep going in the right direction. Well, Brad, look, I can hear the pain. I appreciate the phone call. Um, it's it's hard for me to to take any of that away because. It would be one thing if this were a Met team that was like a young and up-and-coming team with a lot of youth. I think the Mets were the oldest playoff team in in baseball this year. I mean, they are a veteran team. And you take a look at, you know, the pitching staff you mentioned. Okay, well, Scherzer, he's not going to do that often. Well, he kind of did that same thing last year. He couldn't even pitch because uh, of, of of an injury, a tired arm. And this year he did pitch and uh, didn't do a very good job. Let's put it that I mean, he sunk you. He, he did this year what Garrett Cole did to the Yankees last year. And think about how long we spent on Garrett Cole last year when he gave up three runs and I think two innings and was gone. Now Scherzer pitched longer, but he gave up more runs. And he, he gave you no chance really to win that game. And that's the, you know, I, I mentioned in the, in the last segment, People will point to all these different things about what went wrong for the Mets. We should have done more at the trade deadline if we just won one game in Atlanta. The fundamental plan with the Mets was they were going to be this team that was going to be tough to beat in a short series because they had Scherzer and DeGrom. And really, they kind of had two playoff series, and neither of those guys performed up to the level that they were expected to perform up to. Scherzer was bad both times. DeGrom was okay uh, in, in game two. You got the win, even though, as I said, he gave up, you know, the, he got a lead right away. He gave that up. He got another lead. He gave that up. So Scherzer, that's the first one. DeGrom, I got to be honest with you. I don't think it's a good idea to bring DeGrom. I don't know what the contract is going to look like, but are you willing to, I have to assume if he said he's opting out at any point, he's looking for, you know, a sizable contract. 
Do you want to sink three years and maybe $45 million a year into Jacob DeGrom, given the injury history he's had the last couple of years and, and kind of where he's trending? Again, you're not paying him for what he did. You're paying him for what he is going to do. I don't know that that's necessarily a, a smart move there. And then when you get to uh, Chris Bassett, who likely will opt out, I think I've seen enough of Chris Bassett on the big stage. The big stage did not, uh, his, eye, his ears did not get shiny, I can tell you that much. Oof, that was rough. In both starts, that was rough. Sam is in San Antonio. Sam, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, Gordon. Well, I wish I could say it's a good evening. Well, it is for you. Your team is still in it. How you doing, my brother? I hope all is well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, uh, to a certain extent, I'll piggyback on what the prior caller just uh, was talking about. I mean, I do have a good feeling about how the future is going to be. I do believe in this new regime. Um, this season went awry, honestly. Uh, it doesn't matter what, yes, Max Scherzer and Bassett didn't do well. Uh, they didn't hit. They didn't hit. I mean, you can't win any in any sport, any game. You can't win if you put up zero runs. And at the end of the day, I mean, Vogel back was their fifth hitter. Uh, so I, I really do put most of the blame on the offense. And uh, it, it goes back to me. It goes back to the trading deadline. They, they just didn't do enough. And uh, the only time I ever questioned Buck this entire year is uh, I still can't explain as to why Ruff was actually even in the, the postseason roster, that was such a waste. And to throw to do what they did to Alvarez and to just throw him to the wolves just like that, kind of messed up. But I do have a good outlook on how the future is going to be on this team because I do believe in the regime still no matter what. Okay. Well, look, I mean, maybe they'll – you know, you, you, if you go back to the offseason, and Sam, thanks for the phone call, I think that, uh, you know, the general manager, Billy Epler, had a, had a good offseason to a certain extent. I mean, a lot of that was tied up in Scherzer, and when – I mean, again, you didn't get Scherzer just for the regular season and just for 100. You got Scherzer to put you over the top, and, 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 to, and that was the way you built your team. We now have two monsters atop our rotation. We get into a short steer, series. Who's going to beat us? And now we know the answer. The answer is the Padres. You know, and when the Yankees, anytime the Yankees lose, and they might lose the, the, the Guardians. I was going to call them the Indians. The Guardians. They might lose. I, don't, I have no idea. And maybe they'll lose to the Astros again. Maybe they'll lose to the Mar- Whenever the Yankees lose, I hear about how the Yankees, well, they're doomed to f- fail in the playoffs because their plan is flawed. They don't have enough pitching. They, they're, they're too reliant on the home run. I think really what you've seen is the Mets' plan of this two-headed monster atop the rotation, it didn't work. It failed disastrously. I mean, that was what you were, that was the main thing that you had going for you. Those two guys atop your rotation. And when it got down to it in the six games where you needed to win one in Atlanta, you needed to win two against the, the Padres, you got one win out of the six. And now you can look at the future is bright. They have a lot of things to figure out. And, and their last plan of the foundation of being Scherzer and DeGrom, that didn't work. So now you've you got a future where you know, you, you know Scherzer's going to be there. Uh, DeGrom, it seems like the, the, the open secret is that he is not going to be back. I don't know that, but that seems to be where the tea leaves are kind of pointing, that he's not going to return. What do you do with Bassett? Do you bring him back if he opts out? 
They have a lot of questions just in the rotation alone. Then you get to Diaz. He's a free agent. Are you going to, are, are, I mean, you want to bring him back after the season he had. Are you willing to put $100 million into a closer? I mean, and that doesn't even get to the offense. So the offense, which spectacularly let you down, and, and you've seen in these play. I mean, I said this last year during the playoffs too, you have to hit home runs in the playoffs. This idea, we're just going to work the count and we're going to string hits together, it doesn't work. It's one of the reasons why I'm kind of I'm hopeful the Yankees might be able to take, it, take care of the Guardians is because they don't really hit home runs. And the only two, the, the two, two games they did win, they hit home runs, but they're not a home run hitting team. So, um, yeah, the Mets have a lot of work to do, and they'll have a big, you know, they'll spend money. But again, if, if spending money was the only goal, the Mets would still be playing. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is Gordon Tamer. It is ESPN New York tonight. Coming up, more of your phone calls. We'll get into the football. Lots of stuff to discuss right here. 98.7 FM and the all-new ESPN New York app. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. And you have this kind of blank slate. Yes, you would love to have Jacob deGrom come back and be a forever Met. He is a, a great all-time Met already. But this idea that you put in place this year where this is going to be this two-headed monster to lead the rotation, that's not the only piece that you have to put in place here. And if it's true that Steve Cohen is not going to go out spending wildly this offseason, I don't know how comfortable I would feel taking my fandom out of it, giving Jacob deGrom a three-year, four-year contract for, for major money. You're talking probably right in the $40 million range. I, would, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with that, given his injury history here the last couple of years. And let's be honest, he is dominating at times, but it seems to fade pretty quickly. He's now kind of a five-inning, six-inning pitcher. Now, he might dominate at times in those five, six innings, but come the playoffs, is that something that you can rely on? I don't think it is. So it will not surprise me if Jacob DeGrom is pit. Now, I don't think that the Braves are going to offer him $45 million a season. I mean, they have all their guys locked up, so they'll, they'll certainly have some money if that's the way they want to go. Uh, but I don't know what's the most important thing, you know, much like I've been saying about Aaron Judge this entire season. I don't know what the most important thing is. Is it money? Is it about a winning situation? Is it about total years? Is it about total money? I, I don't know. But uh, it will be an interesting offseason for the Mets after what was a, uh, I don't know what else you would say, a thud, just a complete flop. And they were, they were, one thing you cannot argue, they were beaten by the better team. The Padres were better in that series than the Mets were. I mean, they never got a big hit if their life depended on it. Last night they only had one hit, so, you know, it's kind of hard to have any big hits if you only have one hit. So they have a lot of work to do this offseason. And then, obviously, the other thing that got a lot of attention last night was Buck Showalter going out in the sixth inning uh, to uh, check Joe Musgrove's ears. And, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth. Was that desperation? Was that something you had to do? Well, it absolutely came off as a desperate play, and it absolutely was embarrassing in that spot because it was clear you really had nothing. The Mets had nothing. Buck Showalter was collecting baseballs from the first inning on. If they saw anything, 
they wouldn't have waited until the sixth inning to try it. Why wait to the sixth inning? If you've got something, well, you wouldn't wait that long. You, you'd do it right away. At that point, you're down to your final, what, 12 outs? The game's already 4 nothing. You've got one hit. So I get, I, yeah, you got to try something. <clears throat> but you can't deny that it does make you seem desperate uh, because they were desperate. And it is kind of embarrassing. Like, you, you know, I was listening to the K-Show today. They're like, well, you don't lose anything. Well, I mean, you lose faith. I mean, it does look, you, you look ridiculous. Like, you can't get a hit against this guy, so you're going out there and saying, you know, let's check his ears. You know, it does, you got to, I, I kind of, I think I, it's not like I agree with one side or the other completely, but I think I kind of more agree with the side of, of Gary Cohen, who was critical of the move last night after the game. The fans at the game were not too crazy about it, but I think that you kind of have to know you, you have something there if you're going to pull that because otherwise it comes off as desperate and it absolutely comes off as embarrassing. There's no other way you can put it. We got one hit. We're getting completely shut down by this guy. What do I got? What, his spin rates are up. Well, it might be because he's throwing harder tonight. His ears are shiny. Do you, I mean, like, you know, it's not like, it's not exactly a smoking gun. Let's put it that way. It wasn't like he was touching his ears constantly. It wasn't like, you know, there was sticky stuff on the baseball. I'm sure if they had a baseball that had some sticky stuff on it, they would have collected that and brought that to the umpire. So it was an absolutely desperation play. And look, I, I guess at the end of the day, you got nothing else. You can try it, but you can't say that it's not a, a desperation play and you're just trying for something because you have nothing else going for you. And that was clearly the case last night. Buck Showalter didn't, you know, it wasn't like his players were backing him up with putting up, you know, good at bats and, and, and putting runners on and all that type of stuff. So I, I guess you got to try something, but at the end of the day, it is embarrassing because when you go out there and he doesn't get kicked out, I mean, you're, you're left with the result of you, you check the guy's ears, you know, it's not, it's not one you're going to put on the, on the, on the resume. It's not one you're going to put on the, re, on the highlight reel. Let's put it that way. All right. Enough about the Mets, right? Let's move on to the football, shall we? Because speaking of embarrassing, oh my God, my team got embarrassed yesterday. Jets crushed the Dolphins at MetLife, and for the Jets, could not have started better and could not have ended better. You got the, the, the start was fantastic, the end was even better, and you have a division win for the first time in forever. You get the safety right out of the box, you knock out the backup quarterback, you get to the third string guy, you dominated the first quarter, you score a touchdown early in the second quarter, and uh, you, you, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say you rolled from there, certainly you rolled in the fourth quarter. But the Dolphins were terrible, which really should not have been a surprise. You know, even before the Bridgewater injury, this was a very good spot for the Jets. Like all week, everybody was talking about, you know, Jets haven't won a division game in forever. The Dolphins come in all banged up, obviously without their starting quarterback in Tua. Their starting corners are out. So before the game, we obviously we had the tailgate out at MetLife, and I predicted Jets 30-10. to 10. That way, you know, they, they, they wanted to do a video at the, at the drop of a hat. They're like, hey, everybody, give your prediction for the game. And I, I just happened to be the first person that they went to. So that was the first thing off the top of my head. And I got mocked. I, I got to be honest, I got mocked for it. I got mocked by, by Dave. I got mocked by Rick, who was off on the side. Shout, oh, rah, rah, rah. I was completely right. I was 100% right. 
I didn't get the score perfectly. I didn't know that, you know, that the backup quarterback was going to get knocked out on the first play, first offensive play of the game. Maybe I would have been a little bit more accurate. And I got to say, my prediction so far this year, you know, you go to the Cover 5 app. You can see everybody that's in our group, that NY22. I'm not doing too shabby. There's like 1,500 people in the group, and I'm like number 50. That's not bad. And, and yesterday, I absolutely nailed that. Now, that's not what I was looking for. That's not what I was hoping for. But that's what you get. And if you're a Jet fan, you had to love it. If you, go in, if you were going into this season as a Jet fan, what were you looking for? You were looking for wins. You were looking for, you know, breakout performances. But most importantly, you were looking for progress. And it's only five games. But so far, you can actually see some tangible reasons for optimism, right? Like that, that play by what you've seen from Sauce Gardner in five games already gives you optimism. That is what progress looks like. It, you don't have to dive through all these numbers. You don't have to look at all this one individual. You watch the game and you see guys make plays and it jumps off the page at you. Sauce Gardner jumps off the page at you. Brees Hall, what he did yesterday, what he's been doing when he gets the opportunity, which really, if you go back to when Joe Flacco was starting, why they were throwing the ball 50 times a game when they had this guy sitting there. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. that was the time to even use him more. But whatever. Well, all right, but, but what Brees Hall's doing, what Sauce Gardner's doing, uh, Tuck, Vera Tucker, Garrett Wilson when he's gotten the chance. This is what progress looks like. That's what you were looking for. And it's pretty clear if you remember, before the season, I said, you know, the, the Jets' over-under total was five and a half. I said, that's ridiculous. The Jets have to win six games. They have to. If they don't win six games, there's something fundamentally wrong. And already, through five games, they're halfway there. Through five games. So this is what progress looks like. And if you're a Jet fan, this is the first time in a long time that you can actually look at the team and say, you know what, it's on the upswing. Now, look, they couldn't go anywhere but up. But now it's not about, like last year, people were trying to give you about Zach Wilson. Well, look at this play. And look at well, what he did here, what he did. Meanwhile, you watch the whole game. That's one play in, in 60 play. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. But this year already through five games. And it's hey, look, it's not always going to be pretty. Progress is, is not a linear line straight up generally. I'm not saying the Jets are going to the play. And, and that's the problem. The Jet fan base is the most manic fan base, in, I mean, just about anywhere. It's either we're going to the Super Bowl or fire everyone. That is the only two options with Jet fans. So now after this win, I'm sure it's going to be we're going to the playoffs, we're going to win 11 games, you know. I'm not going on that bandwagon just yet. But there is real optimism. There should be, there's some concrete evidence of what progress looks like with this Jets team. And you saw it yesterday. Now, the biggest question, the biggest one of this is still Zach Wilson. For all the team success or you get wins or you see what the, you know, the individual players are, are doing, it's all going to rely on the quarterback, right? And what I liked about him, at least in this game, is he really didn't have to play you know, uh, off schedule at all. He didn't have to go outside the pocket. He didn't have to run around. And I think that that's the biggest change that you've seen with him so far this year. 
where he succeeded last year was running around and making a play here or there. That wasn't a problem. The routine plays, those were shaky. This year, at least so far, it's been just the opposite. It's been just the opposite this year. You've seen him when he's on schedule, it's even in the, in, much more in the Steeler game because there were some, some plays there that broke down and he had to kind of maybe go around and try to make a play and it, was, it looked shaky. But that's what you, you'd much rather have him just do what we need you to do. And this was the message last year, right, about playing boring. And all. This is what they're looking for him to do. So that's progress. You don't need him throwing th- you, you don't need him to win you games. You need him to not lose you games. That's progress. That's where it starts. You know, not everybody comes in the league and lights the league on fire right away. You don't have to. And sometimes those guys that come into the league and light the league on fire right away, they, they flame out pretty fast. So that's progress for him. So, uh, again, you have to like what you've seen so far. It has to give you a um, renewed sense of optimism after the, you know, the way the season started before the season even began with, with Zach Wilson getting hurt. You're thinking to yourself, oh, boy, here we go again. Here we go again. But – now you're starting to see something with Zach Wilson back in there. And again, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, you get the Packers this week. They're desperate for a win. So maybe it's going to be a little up and down here. I'm not getting ready to say 10-11 wins. I see some of the headlines, you know, the Jets are the young team nobody wants to face. I, I don't know. I don't know. The Jets have changed the narrative. They're shedding the same old Jets. Calm down. Slow down. It doesn't have to be here overnight doesn't have to be here all at once. Enjoy what you're getting right now and hope that the future is going to be brighter than the past certainly has been. And just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Gordon Damer, ESPN New York Tonight, 98.7 FM. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer flying solo on this Monday night edition of ESPN New York Tonight. And uh, Monday night football continuing. Chiefs a one-point lead on the Raiders, 24-23. Now, with the Jet game, and certainly if uh, you want to you get in on it, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Um, I was at the game yesterday. and I, Football games, I don't know. Uh, I, the... The at-game experience, as great as the experience was yesterday, you know, ESPN and, and the Jets, you know, hooked us up perfectly. To me, watching a football game is li- live is like watching a TV show be filmed. It's kind of cool to do it, but it's a better experience just watching it at home. It really is a TV show. And, uh, you know, I, I took my son to the game yesterday. He was, that was his first football game. And, and he kind of, you know, I said that to him ahead of time. And it wasn't until we were at the game and, you know, you don't get the replays, you know, you don't get the, the line marker, you know, it's a whole different experience. The other thing in, that you've noticed so far this year in football and, and certainly yesterday, pass interference, you should just roll a dice. It's a complete crapshoot of what is every single week you could put together a compilation of video highlights where it's almost like a game show. Is this pass interference? And you show the play and you get to call whether or not that's pass interference. 
And it goes both ways. Sometimes it's not like they, they call them all pass interference. Sometimes you see one, and it's called pass interference. Uh, there, was, there was a couple plays yesterday in the Jet game because pass interference was like the best play, offensive play the Dolphins had going in the game. Um, there were a couple. I'm thinking to myself, that was pass. They had one. It was, it was, I was like, wow, that was pass interference. And then on a third down on the sideline, the Dolphin defender, I, don't, I couldn't see who the Jet, I think it might have been Wilson, but I might not, it might not have been, it might have been someone else. But Wilson's diving out of bounds. The defender is face guarding him. So he, he can't, you know, like he's not looking back at the ball. He's kind of making contact with the receiver as it looked from, from you know, the stands, obviously. And they'll call. I'm saying to myself, that, I mean, that's ridiculous. So you could, every single week, you could have a fun game show of just saying, is this, is this pass interference or is it not? But then, of course, you know, at the game yesterday, I didn't really get to see the highlights until I got home. <clears throat> then you have that roughing the passer call on Tom Brady in the Falcons game, which I, is clear. I mean, it's, it's, it's a parody of a joke. I mean, no other quarterback would get that call. And look, I, I get it. Tom's going through a tough time right now. I get it. But show me any quarter, any other quarterback to get that call ever. Where that was a textbook tackle. Textbook. And, and the beauty of it is, if you go back and watch that highlight, Brady tries to kick the guy. If anybody should have gotten a penalty call on that play, it's Brady. He swings his legs wildly up at the guy as he's getting off of him and is trying to kick him. Unbelievable. And then tonight on the Monday night game, I think it was in the second quarter, Chiefs are down early. Chris Jones, perfect play. Comes off the edge, comes around the corner, gets to Derek Carr, strips the football, sacks him, grabs the football. You figure, oh, big turnover there. No, no, no. Play's wiped out. Why? Roughing the passer. Roughing the pass. I mean, now he landed on him. I don't know what else he was supposed to do. Where else is he supposed to go? He didn't hit him high. He didn't hit him low. He didn't slam him down. He didn't hit him too hard. They need to come up with a quarterback button. Where you have to like, you know, like the easy button they have. What is that? Staples has the easy button. Where you flip up the glass and you hit the button. Maybe that. The, the, the quarterbacks no longer get hit to the ground at all. At all. And you just have to, I mean, maybe it's a flag, but you don't want a flag because a flag has to be a really tight flag. You don't want to get the guy too close, but you don't want to take the playmaking ability of the quarterback away. So maybe it's a button. The defender, what he has to do is he has to open up, the button will be sewed in on the jersey somewhere. Maybe it's on the back of the jersey. I don't know. Well, maybe you want to see him coming, so maybe you put it on the front of the jersey, but then he might injure his face. Put the button on the jersey, and then what you have to do is you got to hit the button, and then a big red buzzer goes off, so nobody else can hit the quarterback at that point. And then we'll avoid the quarterback injuries because we don't want the quarterbacks getting hurt, but then we can avoid these penalties like we've seen. It's the only, it's the only possible solution, I think. It's the only possible solution. So just when you thought that the Brady one was more ridiculous because that was just a textbook tackle. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. But the one tonight, it was almost like they're like, you know what? Let's get everybody to stop talking about Tom Brady. 
Let's call this one for pass. Let's call this one for roughing the passer as well. Amazing. Uh, the, the NFL has so many things going on in an individual play, and they have so over-legislated every single thing that it's impossible to be there be almost a clean play. You can call a penalty on any play because the rules are so overdefined. Overdefined. It's amazing. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. JC is in Sayerville. JC, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, what's going on? Um, I just want to talk about the pass interference. Like yeah, the pass interference Sauce Gardner got yesterday, that was pretty um, ridiculous. And I've also noticed a lot of the times, like, someone will throw a deep pass and the corner will be on the receiver step for step. And then the ball will be underthrown, so the receiver comes back to it and they call pass interference on that. I feel like that's kind of like jumping into a shot to get fouled in basketball a little bit. Yeah. I, I Look, I, I, you know, I sit usually, not this weekend, but I sit, you know, almost every other Sunday and I watch all, you know, I try to watch all the games. I have the two TVs going. I have one with the multi-view and the one with, you know, one specific game. And you just see these calls every single week. And it's a crapshoot. Like, there'll be times where you'll see a call and you're like, oh, that's definitely going to be passing. And they don't call anything. And then yep. there's other times where it's like it, the guy barely gets touched. And it does kind of seem like there's a star um, aspect of it, right? Like, if you're, you know, if you're Travis Kelsey or you're Devontae Adams, you'll get the call far more yeah, yeah. than if you're Joe Blow. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. All right, JC, I appreciate the phone call. Look, I, you know, you don't want guys getting mugged, but it, it feels like there should be some uniformity that you'll have a good idea of what is and what is not pass interference. But I guess it just kind of depends on which way the wind is blowing. What, wind, what way is the wind blowing? And if it blows on Tom Brady, penalty on that guy. Penalty on Mother Nature. Tom Brady had his hair blown out of place. Oh, my God, that call. If I were a Fal- – well, look, I've already said this before. After the Falcons blew that Super Bowl 28-3, I'm, never, I'm, not, I'm not watching a football game ever again. I almost wish the Dolphins would get into that situation just so I could quit the sport altogether. I love the sport, but I get nothing out of the team. Nothing. I've been watching the team for 40 years, and they've stunk the entire time. Where are all these people when they got off to the 3-0 start? Ah, oh, see, you're just a hater. I haven't heard from any of these people lately. I haven't heard from them lately. And their season's over. Two is not bad. The season ended on that Thursday night against Cincinnati. We got three good weeks. That's more, that's more weeks than we've gotten in a lot of seasons. Three good weeks. Well, at least we got the draft. Oh, no, we don't have a draft pick this year because our, our owner is a bobo. Unbelievable. What an organization. What a pick. What a great job by me in my life. Pick the Yankees and the Dolphins. One for two, baby. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll get into the Yankees a little bit. Getting ready for their division series against the Guardians. We've got to touch on the Giants as well with their big win yesterday in London. Still lots to do. One hour down. It is ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM. ESPN New York.